walk out the door at a quarter to eight. Spill my coffee on the floor, now I'm 20 minutes late. I go speeding around the curve, slam my foot on the brake. Traffic's at a stop, no choice but to sit and wait. Thought it was faster on the interstate. As I slowly move ahead, I see flashing lights of blue and red. It occurs to me, as clear as can be, he was looking out for me. Like when the cancer's gone, like it was never there. Not one cut of a knife, just a word of prayer. It's plain to see, no doubt of who it could be. The money's all gone, but the bills are all paid. Didn't borrow a dime, you gave all you had away. It's not supposed to work that way. You might say I'm lucky or a little bit superstitious, but I know it was Jesus. Sound don't sound like the two peas on a pod podcast, but it still is. <laughs> yeah, we're still here. Yeah, we just got Brother Dave making our intro here today. Welcome back to the podcast. Good to be with you again. Yeah, now you're talking and singing. That's talented. Wow, I'm pretty talented. Ain't I? <laughs> Sing and talk at the same time. Yeah, so that is a song off your album. I've come a long way with your church ensemble. Yes playing right now off spotify yeah so how many albums you got and where can a man find them well let's see i have recorded five but uh and i've worked on two others to help folks like so sung one song on our church cd and like that but uh I, I think just mine five but i've only got the last two because my first album i recorded was 1973 and that was entitled, I Have a Father Who Can. Wow. And uh, so, you know, that was, uh, that was the big CDs, you know, them great big CDs. That, and, <laughs> but, no. This generation don't even hardly know what a CD <laughs> no, is. Tape. I, I probably shouldn't even said that because there is probably a younger crowd listens to you because you're younger. But <laughs> anyway, it was uh, the vinyls we done. My first mm-hmm. two was vinyls. And they were what? What are they? What are the vinyls? Thirty-three, thirty. I don't know what they call them now, but it was the big vinyls. Yeah. And then in 1975, I done my second one, and that was entitled "Here They Come." And so that was my first two, and then uh, "Because He Lives" was a big hit for me back then. Yeah. And I done that right after my wife's. Healing of Cancer that we talked to you on the last mm-hmm. podcast about. And then the one that you played there, it was Jesus. I think that was 20, 2018, I think. And What uh, about this one right here? Okay, that one there was the next year. You wrote this one, didn't you? I wrote this song, yeah. Yeah. Some rest and peace of mind. I like that song. Yeah. It's a good song. Well, you wrote it. Yeah. Maybe that's why I like it. <laughs> you like the guy that wrote it. I like the guy. Well, actually, me and Rachel McCutcheon wrote that together. Uh-huh. 
I called Sister Rachel up, and if she's listening, Ooh, did you hear that? Yeah, that's Gordon. Is that Gordon? That's Gordon Moat playing. Yeah. So this is the title of the album. I yeah, went that's down. the title I went down. Yeah. So you can find this on Spotify. You can find that anywhere. iTunes, Everywhere. Spotify. There's 610 media sites, and, and you can find that on any one of them. All right. So if it's if you can get music there, they're there. And what do I type in to find it? Pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, David Miller. Pastor David Miller. All right. You heard it. If you want to hear it, that's what you got to do. Yeah. So not only do you have music online. Yeah. But I'm a podcaster interviewing a podcaster. You got your own podcast, too. Well, yeah, we do. Our podcast is PHT in the Morning with Pastor David Miller. PHT in the Morning. You can look that up, and he's on there as well. So what do you do? Well, What's your format? Uh, well, we just we come on with a song, just kind of like you. And, and I usually do more of a teaching-style podcast. But uh, Say, that doesn't sound like you. <laughs> do what? That's Kennedy Chris. Is it? And also, the other guy, you know, that's on the two peas in a pod. Oh, that guy? Yeah, Zach Cordell. You know him? <laughs> I've heard of him. Yeah, it's your brother-in-law, right? <laughs> yeah, and brother Zach has helped me actually on on both of my, uh, yeah. the two that you played. And brother Zach's a great friend of mine, just like you. And uh, very talented guy. Yes, he is. I mean, he's a good preacher, he's a good singer, and he's a good brother-in-law, I hope. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we have that brother-in-law relationship. Yeah. Like cats and dogs. Yeah. Kind of well, like my twins. You know, one yeah. minute they're kissing each other, and within 10 seconds they're, I mean, just full-out fists. <laughs> right. I'm like, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just carrying on. Well, speaking of our podcast, I'm going to be having you on. You are. Yeah. I, I need to surprise you with that right here. So, you know, if I'm going to be We're not real on, sure how that'll turn out Well, yet. if I'm going to be on yours, you owe me now. <laughs> so you have to be on ours. Well, I don't have near the material and experience and oh, stories. My. I'm, I'm going to be very boring. I'm going to say this. If you don't know Austin Griffiths, he is a great preacher and a great evangelist. He held us a, just last year a great revival and... We really think a lot of him and his wife, Kelly, and uh, I'm hoping that Kelly will come the, the very next week and, uh, and do one uh, on our podcast, too. If you tell her she has to. She <clears throat> Does she have to? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll, tell, I, I'll let you tell her she has to. Will that work? It might work better if you say it. Okay, I'll tell her she has to. <laughs> She'll just tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, so we went through your music and your podcast. And so last time when we left the episode, you was talking about a miracle in Arizona. Yes. And uh, so that was in 70. That was in 75. 75. Mm-hmm. And so right around that 70s time, um, there was another just great story I've heard you tell. And this happened in Mississippi. Yes. And so if you want to just start from there. I, okay. I remember some of the details, but not all. But Okay. Yeah, we was... Uh we was in revival. This is more like the later 70s. This kind of follows the same suit as God will pursue a man. Yes. And so that's one reason why it would be a great time to yeah. talk about this right after your last story. Okay. 
Yeah, we, we was there in southern southern Mississippi. Actually, we was in a, uh, uh, it was an Assembly of God church that had called us. I had preached Allentown camp meeting, uh, some of the nights of their camp meeting that year, and a brother come over and heard us preach and asked would I come over. And so we did. We went over and preached a revival for him. And while we was there in uh, revival, I think this may have been, I can't remember now, Brother Austin, but it was either a, maybe a Wednesday or Thursday night. And on that night, uh, God had given me a message, and I remember my message title. I preached on a head start to hell. Mm. And I remember uh, this night really well. Uh, on that night, I was, I, was just, I was just preaching. I really felt strong. And actually, a friend of mine had told me a story that prompted me to preach that message. He told me a story about a man that he had known or known about. Can't remember. It's been so long. But this guy, he said he would go by his house and invite him to church. At like every Sunday, he kind of walked a, a little bit to church. And so that guy said, I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of hell. And I'm not going to church. And he said, the last couple of times, he said, I may just give myself a head start to help one of these days. And that guy would just tell him, you better be careful. That's dangerous kind of talk. But anyway, in the story that I was told, this man actually went downstairs in his uh, basement. And he had little tiny windows you could see out in that basement. And the way, the way I remember the story, he had actually like nailed his doors shut and his uh, upstairs windows shut and I don't know what make a man do this but they said he actually took gasoline and poured it everywhere and he lit a match and said he was screaming I'm going to give myself a head start to hell mm. and he was telling me what a horrible tragedy tragic story this was and so I was thinking about that story and I felt really strong to preach on hell that night. And so I did. And I titled my, my sermon, A Head Start to Hell. And anyway, told a little bit of that story I'd heard and started preaching. And I got about, I don't know, halfway, two-thirds two of the way through the sermon. And this is a pretty good-sized church. It had like three, maybe four sections of pews. I can't, I can't remember. It's been a while since, you know, I, I preached revival there, but I didn't go back uh, other than when they had me preach revival. <laughs> but, and that's been a long, long time. But uh, that night, I really felt the, the, the anointing and the Spirit of God so strong. And, <clears throat> pardon me, I remember saying that night, I said, where are you? I know you're here. I said, the Lord has showed me there's somebody here you know, I said, you are in trouble. And I said, God showed me there's somebody in here tonight. And you know me. Now, you've heard me preach a lot. I don't say God showed me somebody here like that hardly ever. Right. And I think it's dangerous to say God shows you if he didn't. But on that night, I, I remember saying this a couple, three times. I said, I know you're here. I don't know where you are, but you need to come and pray. And so I kept preaching that sermon, and I said it again, preached a little more, said it again. And I remembered saying this, you need to stand up right now, come down the aisle. 
Nobody did. And the Holy Ghost moved on me. I don't know if it was prophecy or God just showed me. But I said, somebody is here tonight. And I said, you're in trouble for drugs. And I said, you're facing a long uh, term in prison if you don't repent tonight. And I remember this. Nobody moved. And I said, well, I'm going to come back and get you. I said, I believe if I walk back through there, God will show me where you are. And I don't remember ever doing that before <laughs> or since. But I walked back. Very through. specific. I was really specific. Yeah, but I felt it so strong that night. I had no fear. And I remember I walked back on the, I started on my far right through those three or four sections. And I walked back and I thought, God's going to show me right here in this first section. But he didn't. So I just went through the back. I come back up the next side, the next section. God didn't show me. I went to the last section, and God didn't show me. I figured God would show me. And I even said this. I about forgot to tell it. I said, I'm going to put my hand right on you. I'm going to put my hand right on you. Well, God didn't show me. Now, at the time, this may have been the first time I'd ever seen this before, but I've seen a lot since then, but they have like a nursery mm -hmm. and uh, you can sit in the nursery and there's like a big glass. And if you're in the nursery, you can see into the church and they had a speaker back there. Well, but if you're in the church, you couldn't see in. Yeah, I've seen that a lot of times. Yeah. And I think that may have been the first time I'd ever saw it. So I wasn't thinking about nobody in there. I was thinking, how did I miss it? How did I miss it? I know God told me. I remember I leaned my right hand up against that, and I had the mic in my left, and I remember leaning my hand in there, and I turned, I like quartered toward the crowd, and I said, I thought God was going to show me exactly where you were, and I was going to put my hand right on you. I said, but he didn't show me. But I said, you're still here. I know you're here. I know you're here. And you're facing a long prison term if you don't repent tonight. Well, I heard like this blood-curdling scream. And I looked, and down the side runs this man running to the altar. And I thought, where, where in the world did he come from? He just come, appeared, and he was running down the, the aisle screaming and crying. And I looked, and about a half of the church was meeting him in the altar and he was praying hard and anyway i just went up and started praying too still didn't know exactly what it took place well after he got done praying he stood up and he was actually a deacon's son wow and he stood up and he said my dad kept begging me to come to revival to hear the preacher he said he knew i was in trouble and he said, I am facing 20 years in prison, and my uh, court date's tomorrow. I about fell off my pew, you know, even though I knew it was going to I knew it was there, but still, it was still a shock for some reason. Mm -hmm. He said, but when I, I told my father, I'm not going to church. He said, but when service was, I figured it was about preaching time. He said, I, I walked in the back. And I came through in the nursery. Nobody saw me. And he said, I sat down in the rocking chair. Nobody was there. And he said, I could hear the preacher preaching. And he said, he, he made that statement 
I know you're here. And he said, God, show me you're here and you're facing a long prison term. And he said, he said I thought, well, who in the world told him? And he said, then he said, I'm going to walk through the crowd. God's going to show me where you are. And I'm going to put my hand right on you. He said, I remember standing up. He said, and I leaned my hand up on that glass. And I mean, I feel the Lord now just telling this after all them years. He said, I leaned my hand up on that glass. And he said, we'll see if God knows where I am or not. If he really knows where I am. Wow. Because he knew I couldn't see in. I had no clue anybody was there, if, even, even if it was a nursery. And he, he said he put his hand dead even on my hand. He said his thumb was even with mine, and all four fingers was even with mine. And he said it terrified me. And he said, I remember taking my other hand, and I kept trying to pull my hand away. And he said, I tried to pull my hand down. And my hand wouldn't, wouldn't move. He said, finally, he said, I pulled so hard, my hand just dropped. And he said, then I thought, you know, my arms froze. He said, I couldn't move my hand or my arm. And he said, that's when, he said, I opened the nursery door and I ran down the aisle. He said, partly because I was afraid my arm was paralyzed and partly because I knew I was lost. And he said, so I, I prayed and I begged God to forgive me. And he said, no matter what I face tomorrow, I'm going to give God the rest of my life. Now, I haven't stayed in contact with this man over the, like the next year I talked to the pastor. And he mm -hmm. said, he's still doing good. But I haven't talked to him since then. Wow. But the next day, he went and stood before the judge. And the pastor was with him. And the pastor told me that, uh, the judge, somebody I guess had told, or maybe the young man told, or, or the pastor might have, I, I can't remember. But he said, they told the judge, said, you know, I, I got saved last night. And he said, the judge said, everybody gets saved when they're facing 20 years. Everybody had a, <laughs> had a groundbreaking experience. And he said, no, he said, I am guilty for selling drugs. He said, I know I am. And he said, if I have to face that, I will. And he said, but I'm going to serve the Lord the rest of my life in jail or if you have mercy on me. And he said, the judge looked over at the pastor and said, do you think he got, really got saved, really got religion? And he said, the pastor said, I really believe he did. And he said, he sat there just a moment or two and looked at me and said, you're serious, aren't you? He said, yeah. He said, if I see you back in my courtroom, he said, you're going to have to fill out your time of probation. And he gave him a, a big time of probation. And he let him go free. Wow. The next night, this was the thing that kind of great. The next night, Brother Austin, there was 20 people. I believe it's 19 or 20. I think it was 20 that came of his friends that had been drug users bad sinners, and they came that night, and every one of them got saved. And the night after, we had one or two got saved. We was in the middle of a booming, great revival. And I had a person in my church that had a, a tragedy that happened, and I had to come home. But uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. 
that God, how God moved on that night. God knows exactly who you are. God knows exactly where you are. And if God speaks to your heart and you're listening to me today on, on this uh, podcast and you're not a Christian by any chance, I know mostly Christians are listening, but if you're not, don't put it off if God speaks to your heart. If I can tell you one more story. Go ahead. I remember preaching in Batavia, Ohio several years ago, and the pastor's brother was just graduating from high school. And we had like, I don't know, 10 or 12 got saved in that revival. Everybody that came that was a sinner got saved except this one young man. And that young man, that young man, he, he, did, he came up that, that last night. Some of the people asked him, said, don't you want to give your heart to God? And he said, well, he said, I do. He said, but my promise Friday night, I want to go out. And then Sunday, I'm gonna, I'll be back and I'm going to give my heart to God. And I remember on that night, it wasn't me, but God spoke to someone else and said, what if you don't make it on Sunday? What if something happens? And he just laughed it off. But that night, uh, on, the way to the, on the way home from the prom, they'd been drinking. And he had a head-on collision and, and lost his life and went out to meet the Lord. So when God speaks to you and says it's time, then it's, it's time. It's time to pray right then, not wait yeah. any longer. And so, yeah, I, I believe that God deals with sinners. I believe God wants to bring them into our churches and save them. So I still believe we ought to preach on hell. I still believe we Absolutely. ought to tell folks that if they die without God, that's what's going to happen to them throughout all eternity. That's, a, that's a, such a great story of God, like you said, knowing exactly right where we're at, yeah. pursuing a man that thought he snuck in. Nobody knows where I'm at. We'll see, God. Yeah. We'll see if you know where I'm at. And God moving on you, and you thought you missed it. I, I and did. God moving the whole time. I tell yeah. you, that's, that's unreal. And to say something so specific— I mean, you go to, you know, this church or any church and say, you're facing prison time. Yeah. I mean, there's not just a bunch of people in there facing prison time. Right. I mean, everybody's probably looking around like, well, I mean, they're probably thinking, well, I know my son is, but he's not here. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's unbelievable. But could you, never you know. could you imagine that with two hands just put? Yeah. That, and not be able that, to take that, it off. That just cannot happen without God. Yeah. There's That couldn't happen in a million years. Mm-mm. Uh had to be God. Yeah. There's no there's no circum random circumstance or no. Just random coincidence I should say that that that, that would happen. And God is God has blessed us and I, I, I don't want to sound like like I'm trying to brag or anything about God being any better to me than anyone else, but he has been mighty good to me. God's kept us, he's blessed us, uh, he's blessed our ministry and our church. And I, I wouldn't trade this life, Brother Austin, for not anything in this world. I love being a, a Christian. I love singing. I love preaching. I love listening to singing and preaching. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, my wife gets so aggravated at me because <laughs> I listen to music if I'm at home 24-7. And she likes it a little. 
not like me. <laughs> and she'll say, aren't you tired of that? And if it's something I like, I'll listen to it like five or ten times in a row. And she'll, that song's killing me. Can't you go to the next one? <laughs> and But, you know, I, I love it. I love, uh, love going to revival, camp meetings. And it's been my entire life. It's all I know. Yeah. Anybody and, that doesn't know you knows you are on the road. Or that don't know you, they should know you're on the road all the time. And I love it. I, I mean, you. it ain't nothing to talk to Brother Dave on Sunday. And on Tuesday, he'll be like, I'm in Georgia. Yeah. I'm in Oklahoma. Yeah. I just drove 48 hours straight to California. <laughs> and what? I, I, did, I did that just a couple years ago. Oh. Well, I just, I just came back last uh, November yeah. from preaching convention in uh, my first time. I, bet, I preached different revivals in New York State. I preached camp meetings there. I preached youth camps there. But this was a completely new place for me and got to preach their convention. And wow, what a, what a great blessing that was. So I had somebody call me. I thought about that because somebody called me while I was there and they said, are you ever home at your own church? <laughs> I said, that's what some of my board members ask. <laughs> I, so who's the visitor tonight? <laughs> I got to tell, tell this one. I, I get talking, I talk too much. But... <laughs> I remember coming in. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to back away and not go as much. But I remember about two years ago that I came in. I've been gone like like maybe two weeks. Preached two meetings. Mm-hmm. And I usually always try to come back on Sunday if if you know if I can. But I was gone two weeks, and I come in and Brother Johnny Taylor and Brother Brett Marchson, they're two of our board members, and they was at the back and they met me. You know. And they said, how long are you in for this time? <laughs> I said, what? They said, well, we just can we schedule you for a revival? Because that's the only way we're ever going to get you here. <laughs> so since, you know, I'm trying, I'm doing better. I'm trying to do better. <laughs> oh. But I do love it. Yeah. Well, after 50 years of traveling, I guess it's hard to stop. It's my life. It really <laughs> is. You got blacked up in your blood, that's for sure. I, I do. Yeah, and when you're not preaching, you'll just go off to South Dakota or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You'd probably drive to Hawaii if you could, wouldn't you? Well, I'm going to be there in Revival this year. Yeah. I mean, would you drive if oh, you could? Oh, absolutely. If I could breathe <laughs> underwater and there was a road, I would. <laughs> hey, uh-huh. you know, the first time I went there, I think I've preached there, let's see, I think 13 times, 14 maybe. But anyway, the first time I went there, we was in uh, asked to come and, and preach up. A part of a camp meeting with my son-in-law and so I, I didn't I didn't want to go first year I wouldn't go my wife went I wouldn't go she went with them and they called me up and said look we feel like it's will of God my son-in-law kept saying I believe it's will of God and I prayed and I said okay and the moment I stepped on that plane I was like can I get off can I get out of here and it wasn't too bad on land but when you're six, six and a half hours mm-hmm. over the ocean, that's a nerve-wracking feeling. <laughs> but I keep going back because I love the results once I'm there. And I think this October, well, I know it's this October, I'm preaching a Gray Mount Sign uh, meeting there because the pastor now, I went over and ordained him mm-hmm. as, as, as a pastor. And so he called me and said, my 10th year anniversary, I want you to come back and 
preach a few nights, so I'm going to go back. Wow, that's pretty neat. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Speaking of, uh, you said ordaining, that re- that kind of makes me remember you ordained me and Zach both. Yeah. And uh, right, I can't remember if it was that exact service you was there, but uh, when I went full-time on the field and Zach became an assistant pastor, they had the same service together. They put him in and kicked us out <laughs> all at the same time. Oh, my and I tease, you know, me and Zach are close, yeah. but I teased him. I said, as soon as they put you in as assistant pastor, I was out of there. <laughs> I said, I wasn't going to let you pastor me one day. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, of course, we're just carrying on. I'm, that's still my home church. Yeah. So he's still my assistant pastor. I'm just well, joking. Well, you're married to that pastor's but, uh, daughter, too. Yes, I am. And so, of course, we're just joking. But it kind of it was unfair to him because what would have should have been a great day for him end up turning into a funeral yeah basically because that's the first time you know she had ever gone and yeah it's a long story but um, they'd all been there close you know close-knit for so many years and we was going to be leaving months at a time and it was it was hard on yeah. everybody but going back before that i want to say it would be it was either um what'd you say it was probably 14 it was either 2014 or it may have been yeah. the beginning of 15. Right around there, yeah. Yeah, it was 14, 15, somewhere around there. I'd, I'd have to go back and really look. But we was in a church there in Vanceburg. I don't know exactly how big the sanctuary was. <laughs> um, maybe something like a 50 by 50 or yeah. 40 by 50, something like that. Mm-hmm. And we had like probably about 50 people-ish crammed in there. Yeah. And they'd been in there for probably 17 years, something like that. It used to be an old furniture store. And uh, it's a long story to, to get to that. But they had been there. My father-in-law had been there for, for many years. And they'd been in that building for many years. And the building had been good to them. But, of course, we was running out of shouting room, running out of running room. Was, yeah. People was just starting to get married. Me and Kelly got married. And Zach Shannon got married. Several others had gotten married. And some kids were obviously going to start coming along, and there just wasn't no room. And we would have revival meeting, you remember, youth rally, and there's yeah. no way for nowhere to sit. You could probably hold maybe 70, 80 people in there max. I mean, that was shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And so we was wanting to build a church. And so there was a piece of land across the street, probably, I don't know, two or three acres. Yeah. And Real it just. Real pretty, too. Yeah, just sitting there. I mean, literally right across the street. We, mm-hmm. You go down. Uh, a street there and there's an apartment complex a little salon deal and then the church and then there's just an open spot there well the guy that owned it would not sell it would not sell it for nothing he i guess he thought he was going to get some big business in there or something i don't know but he would not sell it and my father-in-law asked countless numbers of times he wanted it he'd look i can remember hearing him say it so many times He'd walk out on this front porch there at the house because he lives across the street as well. He'd just look out there and say, man, I want a church out there so bad. I want a church out there so bad. And so um, kind of cutting down details, uh, that man just wouldn't sell it. So he's thinking, well, I'm just going to – his office is kind of over by the the old the fellowship hall now, the old church. And he's like, I'm just going to uh, move my office or something. We're just going to knock out a wall, and we're just going to kind of make a T. We're just going to make the old church, you know, mm-hmm. the, the shorter part and just go with a new sanctuary. It's the only option we had, really, unless you lo- relocated to a whole other area. You don't want to do that. Yeah. And so trying to figure out what to do. And uh, I, don't, I can't remember exactly all the details. I'd have to ask my father-in-law. I probably should have. But I remember he was really, really wanting to do it. It was, it was just time. It was really time to do something. We was running out of room. 
And long story short, he was praying, really asking God what to do. And, you know, we really want to do this. We want your will to be done. And I remember, uh, of course, you would come and preach. What nothing off yeah. for you to come and preach for us. You have Tuesday night yeah. midweek service, and we have Wednesday, so very easy for you to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so if you want to take off from there, God okay. had really yeah. laid a message on your heart yes. for our church. Yes. Uh, I had talked to Brother Cordell a few weeks before, and he said, hey, sometime you 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 want to come down and preach for us like on a Wednesday? Just give me a call. I said, okay. And I remember maybe, I don't know, two, three, four weeks later, uh, I felt like God spoke to my heart and gave me a message. And I called. I said, you still want me to come down? He said, yeah, I'll come down whenever you feel like coming. I said, well, how about Wednesday? And he said, well, come on down. And I, I knew God had given me a, a message. And so anyway, we uh, we went down there and preached for him. And he had he had like solid oak pews. He had yeah. It was good, bright red. Good pews, but heavy pews. Yep. And so anyway, on that uh, uh, on that night, I felt like God gave me a message. I was preaching on tithing and giving and so on. And so that night, I mean, God moved in a mighty way. And during the preaching, and I, I'm glad you're here that you was there, because mm-hmm. they literally shouted the pews over yeah. It was a powerful anointing that God had on you. Yeah. They turned the pews, like three pews on <laughs> on the side I was looking, I guess probably the right side. Yeah. And, I mean, those things were heavy. Yeah. Just turned them completely over, and they were shouting and getting blessed. And while I was preaching, and the Lord was moving, the Holy Ghost moved on me. And I guess you'd call it prophecy. Brother Cordell says I prophesied. Yeah. But I just said, God showed me that you should buy that land, and you're going to be able to get that land. Did you know at that time that we couldn't buy it? No. That we had tried? I don't think so. I mean, no. we I'd say he's tried seven, eight times by that time. He, he had he asked and that, asked yeah. and asked. He told me later, he yeah. said, he said, I believe you, Brother Miller, because Brother Cordell, we, he loves me. I love him. We're good friends. But anyway, uh, I, I said, God, God showed me. I said that. You're going to get this land right across the road, right here. And that would have put doubt in anybody's mind, I guess. Yeah. But I said, God's going to give, get, let you buy it, and God's going to give it to you. You're going to, and God's going to pay for it, help you pay for it, and God's going to fill it up. And so on that night, Brother Cordell, he just got up and said, we're going to buy that land. And so sure enough, I don't know how long. It wasn't very long. No, it the, wasn't super long. The guy... Yeah, he had, he had asked the guy, and if I'm not mistaken, he had felt like asking him yeah. one more time. And he went and asked him, and he finally said, yeah. He finally said, you can you can have it. And they bought it off of him. And yeah. he uh, he didn't think that we was going to build something as yeah. nice as what we did. It's beautiful. He really didn't. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we didn't waste no time whatsoever. I've got pictures. I was just looking at on my phone during the fall of 2015. Yeah. I mean, we broke ground, had a groundbreaking ceremony. And they's laying, putting the block down and gravel. And uh, now you look at it, it's been there for, I guess this year will be eight years, I imagine. Yeah. Well, I think we got in it January or February of, I guess, I guess it would have been 16. Yeah. And uh, That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. So I guess this would be about right at seven years now we've been in that church. And the Lord's added, of course, there's been people come and go oh, as, as exactly. in a church. Yeah. But the Lord's added, I think, about 30 people. 
Praise God. Um, since the making the move from that church over, and we made the old church the fellowship hall. Yeah. And it was exactly what you said. The Lord moved on you, and you prophesied it was God. It wasn't just you trying to just, you know, say whatever. And God really, he has paid for it yeah. every step of the way, and he's filling it right now. I know. It's not, you know, when God says he's going to fill it, which I know, obviously, I guess we could have a 100-member. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. You know, people get saved, 100 people saved in revival like he's talking about, but... You know, just be real in 2023. You don't, it's hard to get one person saved in a year. I know. Let alone 100 in a revival. And But they're seeing God feel it. And yeah. you look at it now, you couldn't have fit all them people. I mean, they're having kids left and right. <laughs> I mean, just a bunch of young folks and people getting married. And uh, and just there's been people come and get saved. And just, you know, all the different ways that God moves in, in every church. And people getting saved and stuff. But I tell you, you look around. If you're just in the pulpit preaching, just look around. I mean, there's spots open, obviously. Yeah, but, sure. Um, I mean, it's it. there's not like big, huge gaps. I mean, no. God's filling it. Everything yeah. you can look around, it looks good. And uh, I tell you, it's amazing to see what God will do. Yes. And and honest, honestly, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful church. I mean, it's not just a church. I mean, it's beautiful. Uh, outside, inside. I think we got in it in 16, and, I mean, up till, I mean, basically, they're still been upgrading stuff. They actually added on, I think, uh, 20-some foot, four brand-new Sunday school rooms in the back. Yeah. They've put in extra trim. They've uh, put in new carpet since then. I mean, just since the first time. Yeah. And uh, so they've upgraded this, upgraded that, pulled the, the pulpit, put it out a few more feet, and uh, took out a few rows of chairs, and, I mean, just – constantly redoing stuff and then obviously the old church was the old church and so now you have a brand new church yeah but then we hadn't had a fellowship hall in 20 years yeah or close to it and so now we got the old church <laughs> yeah you get all that finally get in there and then you're like oh man we got a, now we got another whole project <laughs> yeah and so uh, even just recently um in the past year just f- finished remodeling it so i tell you what when you have a church there ain't you're you're never going to arrive that everything's the oh, way it no, should no, be. No, no, no. I mean, you could spend any amount of money you want. You yeah. could spend on a church, I think. And exactly. I've learned that as a pastor's son-in-law. It's never going to be done. There's yeah. always something to do. How about that piano? Ain't they got a pretty piano? Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And we color-coded, too. There's a white piano. Yeah. And uh, he wanted white drums to match. Yeah. There's a white electric guitar. There's a white bass. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so... Yeah, it white trim. It is really, really a beautiful church, and he asked me and brother Randy Webb to do the dedication. Yeah. And uh, man, I mean, I just they're some of my best friends yeah. down there. Some That's of a, my favorite people. Yeah, that was a great miracle. And uh, too bad Zach's not here to chime in, but that was a great miracle right there. Yeah, God just put a stamp of approval. Build that church. Yes, just, let's just do it. And as soon as we got that. As soon as God moved that, what well, was a huge hurdle. Yeah. As soon as he moved that hurdle out of the way, he moved that mountain out of the way, and we got that land. We didn't waste no time. No, you didn't. We was in that thing. <laughs> so I tell you, God made, he made a way. I love being with Brother Cordell and three or four other preachers. and uh, We was in a, a business meeting actually with him just this past week. And Brother Cordell was, looked over three or four pastors we was with, and he said, man, said, Brother Dave, come down there and preach for us. He said, and he had people turn over the pews down there. And uh, he said, if you want your pews turned over, 
He said, just get Brother Miller to come preach for yep. you. Have him come preach on giving. <laughs> yeah. And but it was it was amazing. And I I do love Brother Cordell and I love you and your family, Brother Austin that. so much and and Brother Zach and his family. I told Brother Kurt now uh, a lot of y'all, you know Zach, probably a lot of you, or not Zach, but yeah, you him too. But you know Austin, and they both have five kids. Am I telling that right? Yep. So I told Brother Cordell, I said, man, if I had about six kids, and all of them had the same amount of <laughs> kids that your kids had, I, I could build a church quick. Yep. And he just laughs about it. He loves his grandchildren, buddy. Yep. He does. There's 16 of us when we're all together. Wow. As far as just me and Zach's family and then Kelly's mom and dad. So yeah. that's bigger than a lot of church. Well, not a lot, but quite a few I've preached in. I preached in churches had less yeah, than that. I have too. Yeah. I was telling a pastor the other day, he said something about we having a, we've got a small crowd. This is all it's going to be here. I said, brother, I've went places where my family was bigger than the church. <laughs> yeah, Right. <laughs> When you got seven folks, I really have. I've preached revival at churches where my family either tied the church or were bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I tell you what, God's God's blessed and been good. We got seven members in my family, and that's yes. the number of completion. That's good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> we are we are uh, completed as a family. Yeah. Now Zach, I can't speak for him, <laughs> but uh, he might have twenty. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> But uh, anyways, we're going to jump off here today. So thankful that you came on the podcast. Is oh, there I'm, anything you want to end with us today? Well, no, I'm just thrilled, and you need to continue to listen to this podcast. And I know you'll enjoy it every time you listen to it. And it's been an honor and a blessing to be with you, Brother Austin. And thank you for having us. Well, I sure appreciate it. We're going to get off here with you singing, if that's all right. Yeah. He's out, everybody. I wrote part of this song, too. Part of it. Not all of it, no. All right. If it hadn't been for Jesus, I'd have gone astray. But the Lord has brought me, yes, he brought me a mighty long way. Oh, Lord, I thank you for standing by my side. Standing by my side. When I was in need. You always did provide. Still you brought me